Welcome to the Fiber for Breakfast podcast, a series that discusses fiber as the critical infrastructure for today's growing broadband needs. Listen in as Gary Bolton, CEO and President of the Fiber Broadband Association, speaks with industry thought leaders and experts about connectivity issues and the impact on the remote workplace. I hope you enjoy today's discussion, which will start momentarily. And remember to subscribe and like this podcast on your favorite platform. Good morning, everyone. And welcome to the Fiber Broadband Association's Five for Breakfast. We're now in our 23rd episode of 2022. Before we kick off, I'd like to thank our sponsors of Five for Breakfast, um, which include our gold sponsors, CHR Solutions, Millennium, and Plume, and our silver sponsor, Graybar. You know, yesterday, the White House issued a fact sheet announcing over $25 billion in ARPA funding to help ensure every American has access to high-speed, affordable broadband. This $25 billion is in addition to the $65 billion in the IIJA broadband infrastructure funding. The statement highlighted the $10 billion in capital projects funding from Treasury, $8 billion in ARPA state and local funding, and $7 billion in the FCC's Emergency Connectivity Fund. The statement goes on to highlight a half billion and state awards from the Capital Projects Fund to critical broadband infrastructure projects to connect over 200,000 homes and businesses in Louisiana, New Hampshire, Virginia, and West Virginia. The $8 billion in ARPA funding is funding over 230 state, local, and tribal government projects that span last mile and middle mile networks. And the Emergency, excuse me, emergency Connectivity Fund is helping over 10,000 schools and libraries close the homework gap and support off-campus learning, helping over 12.6 million students, providing schools and libraries with 10 million connected devices and over 5 million broadband connections. You know, what's really exciting about the White House announcement is that we're just getting started. Our industry has a once-in-a-generation opportunity to close the digital divide once and for all. So speaking of closing the digital divide, Fiber Connect 2022 is now only four days away. It's going to be held in Nashville on Sunday, June 12th through Wednesday, June 15th. We anticipate a 50% increase. That's 50% increase over last year's record attendance. We're kicking off Sunday with our pre-conference workshops that will include our wildly popular broadband starter kit. We also have workshops on the future of fiber with our friends at the Broadband Forum and the Fiber Playbook with the State Broadband Offices and Fiber for Cable Operators Workshop. Our conference is going to be phenomenal with over 200 speakers and 170 sessions. So you have, if you haven't registered, you're going to have to do so as soon as possible because we're about at capacity. This is going to be the biggest and best broadband event in the world this year. You are not going to want to miss it. That brings us to today's Fiber for um, Breakfast session. We're going to be focused on how one gig became the global broadband standard. Last week at Five for Breakfast, we met with our old friend Rick Talbot at ACG Research to discuss his latest research in a session titled The Middle Mile What You Don't Know Can Hurt You. Today, our guest is one of my favorite people and a Montana resident, Jamie Linderman from Omnia. And we're going to discuss her most recent global technology study on wireline broadband offerings and discuss how one gig became the new global broadband standard. Jamie Linderman is a principal analyst and research manager at Omnia, covering the Broadband Access Intelligence Service. Jamie provides insight to key audiences and ecosystem players 
Reports include quarterly market share trackers, forecasts, next-gen technology analysis, and business strategy, and specialized consulting projects. Jamie's research areas include fiber, copper, cable, and fixed wireless access technology. She's worked in the telecom industry for over seven years, and prior to joining Ovum, now Omnia, in 2017, Jamie was a broadband infrastructure and customer premise equipment analyst at IHS, Marquis. Uh, she previously held roles in the public policy and construction sector. Jamie's research findings and thought leadership have been published in key findings for prominent regulatory bodies, including the FCC and EU. And she holds a, bachelor of, a bachelor's degree in political science from Montana State University. You know, I always, my dad grew up in Montana, so Montana kind of has a special place for me. So that's why I always think of Jamie when I think of Montana. So Jamie, welcome. And for audience, please type in your questions to go for the Q&A session at the end. With that, over to you, Jamie. Thanks so much, Gary, and thank you for that very kind introduction. Um, so thank you so much for joining today. And today I'd like to discuss how one gig became the global broadband standard. And before I get into the how, uh, it'd be great to spend a few minutes talking about uh, the survey that we conducted um, in order to come to this conclusion. And, and this is sort of an informal survey that we've done for many years now. And for this iteration, it was completed in early 2022. And what we did is we took a look at wireline operator websites that were consumer facing. And we looked for the highest available residential broadband offering. Now we made sure that these offerings were commercially available and for the most part mass market, which means $100 or less uh, for the service. And so how we did this on a global scale is we did have to deploy some local language specialty and then of course the the power of technology of Google Translate uh, was very helpful for us. And so next slide, please. And so what the results that we were able to come to in the survey uh, were, were after we surveyed 760 wireline operators across 178 geographies. And what we found were 60% of wireline service providers offer one gig or greater residential broadband. This figure is up from 45% in 2019. And taking a look specifically at North America, we surveyed 160 operators and we found that 88% offered one gig or, or faster. And this number is up from 78% in 2019. And we believe that you know the the pandemic played a large role in this as well as the as well as the availability of next gen solutions and so i'd like to take a quick look at four drivers that we're seeing contribute to this high rate of one high rate of uh, offerings for one gig and one is the consumer demand for high quality bandwidth services if you'll take a look at the figure on the right um, you will see that in 2021, 16 million subscribers took 500 meg and faster. And we expect by 2026, this number will increase to 67 million or 50% of all subscribers will take 500 meg or faster. 
And so some of the drivers for this include work, work in school from home. And in a lot of cases, we're seeing permanent work from home as well as the rise in online gaming, as well as live streaming is contributing to, to the take up rates for faster tiers. And then additionally, the changing demographics around the average broadband subscriber and what they understand to be their service offering. So at the very least, they are aware, but many understand downstream as well as their upstream offering. And so taking a quick look at another driver, which is operator technology upgrades, there's been a wide breadth of next-gen broadband vendor solutions that have created new opportunities in the fiber space, as well as new vendors have emerged in the pawn market space that has created further competition. This has caused a dramatic uptake and expansion of pawn networks in North America. For example, PON OLT port shipments in 2019 were 300,000, and in 2021, they increased to 831,000 ports. And we're also seeing a number of operators choosing to go with 10 gig, and that adoption is ramping as well. This is enabling faster broadband speeds, new services, as well as non-residential application opportunity to which the revenue streams that come about are able to be reinvested into expanding fiber to the home networks. And we expect this growth to continue. Um, we forecast that OLT port shipments will reach 3 million by 2027. And, 90, and in 2027, 98% of OLT ports shipped will be 10 gig or, and higher. Cap I, should, I should say 10 gig and higher capable. And so spending a quick moment taking a look at 10 gig at the premise, uh, there are several operators that are installing 10 gig ONT ONUs at the customer premise. The reason for this is the pricing between 10 gig PON and, and previous generations has declined to the less than the cost of a truck roll. And so here an operator can eliminate the cost of a truck roll in the future by deploying 10 gig now, and in turn being able to turn up those, those next gen bandwidth broadband speeds um, a little bit easier for the subscriber. And so on the right, it's just a, the forecast of where we see 10 gig, uh, 10 gig, 25 gig, and 50 gig um, pawn port shipments going. And you can see by 2027, uh, almost 100% of ONTs and ONUs will be 10 gig and or higher capable. Next slide, please. Another driver we're seeing is around service provider marketing strategies, as well as subscriber perception. We're seeing one gig and faster take up rates is still nascent, but marketing has truly shaped consumer perception. And that is operators should offer one gig, even though a subscriber may not take up the service. There, that perception is due to the risk that if there is a competitive 
service that is offers gigabit that becomes available, there is a risk for sub-churn. A sub may, and, and, and the underlying perception is that if a subscriber perceives a competitor's network as superior, um, they, they may choose that service. Um, and even if their plan is not to take the gigabit service, and this is especially true with symmetrical services. And so taking a quick look at the survey or at the table at the right, we found that 72% of service providers surveyed for wireline offerings offered one gig, and then 16% offered greater than one gig. And this is showing that operators have had to offer one gig and higher in order to stay competitive. And the fourth driver I'd like to touch on is the investment from the public as well as the private sector. So taking a look at government investment, really the driver here is to close the digital divide. And while closing the digital divide is not driving many gigabit offerings at this time, it is making many last miles less cost prohibitive, prohibitive and therefore gigabit services will be able to be offered at a later time. Taking a look at private investment from public equity as well as investment funds, the driver here is that fiber is seen as an attractive risk return investment. And this is, this is driving many service providers to expand their fiber to the home rollouts as well as service offerings. And so collectively, these market drivers will continue to evolve. Taking a look at changing consumer demands, while one gig may stay the norm, we're seeing the introduction of specialized services within those service offerings. For example, we're seeing low latency packages catered to gamers come about, as well as the additional offerings around an enterprise-like service for broad broadband consumers. And this is just to help support the permanent work from home folks that are looking for something that is closer to an SLA versus best efforts. And then the market driver around, oops, sorry, the market driver around operator network upgrades um, is that we are seeing the rise of 25 gig pawn at this time, as well as the, introduction in the next couple years of 50 gig PON. And while these network upgrades may not directly apply to residential offerings, we do see the non-residential opportunity here and that the revenues can then be reinvested into fiber to the home networks. And then for public and private investment, while while government funding may not be around forever, um, we, it is definitely available in the short and middle term at this time. And we're definitely going to continue to see that driver to help close the digital divide. And then as well as private investment, um, we're, we're going to continue to see uh, these partnerships occur. Um, and many of them will have a local emphasis in order to help build out places where there may not be an incumbent. Taking, lastly, taking a look at marketing strategies. 
We're already seeing two gig, five gig, and in some cases, 10 gig offerings in North America. Um, but while one gig will stay the norm for a while, marketing will continue. And this is ultimately driving new norms such as two, five, and 10 gig, um, which, which may become ubiquitous um, in, in the long term. Um, but at this point, one gig is definitely the global broadband standard. And so with that, I just wanted to say thank you. Um, and then as well as uh, a next slide, I'd like to do a quick plug for myself at Fiber Connect next week. I will be leading a panel, um, which is going to be really exciting around fiber and, and real estate. Um, and then additionally, I'll be doing an analyst take on non-residential opportunity in the access network. Um, so I'm really looking forward to it. And uh, Gary, I'll hand it back to you. And thank you so much for your time today. Well, thanks, Jamie. Hey, Chris, can we roll back a few slides? I wanted to kind of hit, keep going back, go back a few more. Right. Okay. What? Go forward one. What was the slide that you had? Yeah. So you you on the second um, column, you said that OLT port shipments going to be eight thirty one thousand versus three hundred thousand. So almost a threefold increase in OLT ports. So when you think about that, right, if OLT port goes to say 32 or 64 or 128 ONTs, is that, so it sounds like, I mean, are we gonna be upgrading all those ONTs as well? So at this time, not every ONT needs to be upgraded, but what we're seeing is if there's rollouts of new ONT ONUs, it's much more cost effective to roll out a 10 gig in order to future proof that customer. Yeah, that makes sense. So what one of the mm -hmm. questions that came in is, do you think people are picking faster tiers due to the extreme limitations in upstream states from cable ISPs? You know, because today, you know, the cable, um, dominates broadband market share. So uh, what, what right. do you see in there? I definitely think that's the case. Um, many subscribers have never had access to a symmetrical service. And I think especially those, those subscribers that have an understanding of upstream um, as well as latency are, are taking up those one gig packages. And that's what we're seeing in, as, as those subscribers that are taking up one gig services right now tend to have that, that type of profile. So we have a workshop on Sunday for cable operators to help them move to fiber. Um, and you know, we've certainly seen the smaller cable guys have already moved to fiber and kind of the holdouts are more some of the large ones. Um, do you see, uh, I mean, is fiber synonymous with gigabit services and are consumers gonna be looking for fiber services? Well, I definitely think that cable cable technology has evolved in order to support faster throughput on the downstream. And I know that there are many that are going to deploy DOCSIS 4.0 in North America. Um, however, there is always going to be that upstream gap. Um, until there's able to be symmetrical services offered on fiber, uh, on, on broadband, um, they will continue to go, well, sorry, how should I rephrase that? Um, cable offerings will continue to offer on the more and more throughput 
on the downstream. However, fiber is the only thing that is offering symmetrical services uh, at this time. And I think that um, I think that there is going to be real competition there in the brownfield. And I think what we're already seeing, and I think will be a, a prevalent at this pan, at the session, is that cable operators are using fiber for greenfield and in new builds um, because that they see as as a future-proof way to handle those types of networks. Um, I think in addition, uh, cable operators are going to continue to sort of push back against fiber with these new technologies. Um, but I think at the end of the day, it's about delivering the best service you can to the end subscriber. Absolutely. Uh, so you, you put, you know, one of the drivers being gaming. Um, I was reading the Wall Street Journal this morning about um, virtual bars and I, the, in the Metasphere. I can't picture of who would go to a virtual bar, but I mean, so these are real things. Is So you see that kind of these online avatars and gaming and kind of these, is that, I mean, is that fringe or is that really getting to be more mainstream? You know, it's it's pretty interesting when we took a look at who is taking up these AR VR services. It's definitely down to just a handful of countries that are taking up these these types of services. So we're seeing that in in China as well as Japan, but number three is the United States. Um, and so it's definitely not a driver in every country, but particularly in the United States, it, it is a driver. And, and I, I do believe that comes down to just various, the, the culture in the United States around gaming. And I think the same can be said in China as well as Japan. Well, one of our keynotes is from Meta and it's gonna be talking about the Metasphere. So we'll learn kind of what to expect in the future. Uh, so one of the questions came in on, we were you know talking about OLTs and you know the split. What are you mm -hmm. do you are you seeing typical for uh, how many ONTs per OLT is it 16 32 64 128 I think in North America specifically we're seeing it more on the 1 by 16 1 by 32 and in 1 by 64 um, we're not seeing as much 1 by 128s but of course I can't speak for every operator in North America but these are the trends that we're seeing um, in order to help have that bandwidth available um, as well um, as well as to be able to have the opportunity for those subscribers that want to subscribe to higher tiers. So I also got a question in, um, you know, just kind of amazed that 98% of OLT ports are going to be 10 gig or higher by 2027. That is a pretty phenomenal um, increase, you know, when we have, you know, politicians and people talking about 100 by 20 and things like that when we're actually going to have the whole network at 10 gig and beyond. Um, how do you mm -hmm. gather your information and forecast OLT shipments and you know, how does that data come across? Come about? Sure, well collectively as a team we have conversations with with the ecosystem not just not just vendors but also the components uh, providers and, and the chip vendors um, as well, uh, we do do interviews with various operators to see the use cases as well. Um, and I think that what we're seeing is that the cost differential that we that we're seeing between 10 gig and previous generations is it really just makes sense to go with a 10 gig and higher capable port. 
Um, and and that is for that is for upgrades in network extensions. Um, it's not necessarily that you have to switch out every port at this time. It's just new ports going forward are going to be majority 10 gig capable. And, so if you're and building on network, you should be definitely looking 10 gig and beyond. Yes, that is what we're seeing right now. Uh, as as new network builds are happening, the majority of folks are going with with XGS on. Okay, and then now that we, you know, we're at one gig, right? I think you said 88% of the operators offering one gig. When when mm -hmm. is the multi gig going to be the standard in the North America? Sure, I I definitely think one gig has some legs to it. Um, I think there's going to be, as I mentioned, some more emphasis around different types of different types of packages. Uh, so it's not just one gig, but it's low latency one gig or um, or what or enterprise like service where it's it's guaranteed um, before we're going to see really the uh, ubiquitousness of multi gig offerings. But I know as everyone as everyone I'm sure on this call knows that there are already multi gigabit offerings available. It's just the fact it whether they're going to be widespread. Um, and I think I think we're definitely a few years out from that. Um, but it definitely will happen. And then, you know, so Sunday we have a workshop on future fiber with Broadband Forum. And, you know, they're going to definitely be talking a lot about 25 gig and 50 gig pond. Um, how real are, are those? And when do we, should we expect people to start you know, moving from 10 gig ponds to 25 gig and 50 gig pond? I'm sorry, could you repeat the question real quick? Yeah, when, I just when do you expect, had the audio yeah. go out. When do you expect the adoption of 25 gig and 50 gig pond? Well, we're already seeing the adoption of 25 gig pond uh, for some operators in, in different regions, uh, but we definitely see commercial uptake of that happening this year and into the beginning of next year starting to ramp. Um, the availability of 50 gig pond is still several quarters off, um, so I think it's going to be a couple years until we're going to continue to see the ramp for that. I think for 50 gig pond, one thing in particular we're seeing is the utilization of it for fiber to the room, um, as well as the opportunity to use it for, for mobile transport. We're already seeing um, at least a couple operators using 25 gig for mobile transport as well. So fiber to the room, that was a big topic um, at the Fiber to the Home Europe conference. What, so tell us about what is fiber to the room? Sure. So fiber to the room is essentially not just running an ONT ONU to the customer premise. It's also having one in every every room. Um, and so enabling if there's a 10 gig throughput to the home, it's enabling one gig to every room. Um, the, this is where we've seen a huge ramp for this technology in China um, over the past couple quarters. Um, and we're still, I know there's a number of operators out there still sort of feeling the waters of, of whether they want to integrate fiber to the room into their business strategy, but I think there's going to be a lot of conversation around it. Uh, there's definitely at the couple conferences I've been to this year, a lot of conversation around fiber to the room. So I, I look forward in our follow-up 
uh, post Fiber Connect um, Fiber for Breakfast uh, to talk about, you know, if that indeed came true or if I'm just really bad at predicting things. <laughs> well, Jamie, thank you so much. Really appreciate you sharing your insights and research for the audience. And thanks everyone for joining us. And we look back to get back together next Wednesday. We're going to be discussing the power of fiber, power utilities build fiber for the greater good with my friends Pete Oswell from Holland Board of Public Works, Katie Espeth from EPB, and George Segal from Alabama Power. You're not going to want to miss that, and we'll see you guys all Sunday in Nashville kick off the biggest and best conference in the world this year. So see you Sunday and next week. <laughs>